Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another podcast where we will be starting off as usual with the Extra Time segment, where Thomas and Owen will be here to look back on yet another depressing defeat on the road after our 3-0 loss at the hands of Wolves. Then we've got the return of the middle bit, and I'll be back alongside Teddy and Rose for that. And then we'll look ahead to our upcoming home fixture against Aston Villa in another match preview segment. And then there'll be the return of the quiz once again, where Rose will be going up against Terry in the final quiz. And as you know, the segments are separate on YouTube, so I'll introduce them as we move through. Without further ado, we'll hand you over first to Thomas and Owen for the extra time segments for that dreaded Wolves game. The day after a disappointing result, away to Wolves, 3-0 loss. Joined by Owen today, we're, we're just going to get straight into it. We're going to dive in a bit more detail than we do in, in the instant match reactions and talk about tactics, players, and obviously the, there's a million players we can talk about yesterday, but we'll start with the system. So obviously, Carlo caused a bit of confusion straight away uh, with his, I mean, Everton Twitter meltdown. Obviously, the actual official Twitter didn't even know what formation he was playing. Baines obviously started out on the left, uh, didn't he, kind of on the left of a, of a three, which was mainly a five, let's be honest. And then, obviously, at one point, the back five ended up with one winger, three full-backs, and just Michael Keane as the only fit centre-back. Then it changed again, kind of in the second half, to bring on Branthwaite, who, who we'll get on to in a bit. Just, Owen, kind of, what were your thoughts on the system? Do you think it really worked in the first half, and do you think the changes that he made in the second half really made that much of a difference? If if he wanted to get to half time, no, no, yeah, it did work because, well, it didn't because Dean gave away the penalty. But in terms of if it was a nullifying job for the first forty five minutes, it worked. Um, they didn't really have many chances. Um, Daniel Pedenz played very well for them, and he created a bit. Um, they got on the ball a bit, but didn't really do much with it. We were we were quite resolute for about forty four minutes, and then. They started to get in behind us a couple of times and then they gave the penalty away. I'm not a fan of three at the back. I just think it limits you with the space between the wing-back and the centre-backs and that's ultimately where they got in and Dean gave away the penalty. I'm not a big fan of him, especially with that midfield protecting it. I'd rather just see us play 4-4-2, to be honest. I mean, I'm not surprised he went with that. I predicted he would go with that, but ultimately, I think the way... Is there any way forward of these players, man? But I would say four four two is our best formation. Yeah, I agree, especially with just the players we've got. Because I mean, I mentioned this yesterday when I was tweeting that, I mean, the defensive the defensive have looked a bit shaky in the past few games. But like, what are you meant to do when you've got literally zero defensive cover in front of you? Like, if if you've got no one covering you at all, you know, Michael Keane was asked to play on the right of the three, and he's not the quickest. He can't he can't turn the fastest. So the balls that were getting played in behind, he had no cover. I mean. I personally don't mind three at the back, but definitely not with the players we've got. Because, I mean, as soon as Yerimina went off, as I said, we had Coleman and Digne at centre-back, Baines at... I mean, I don't. I just don't think that really worked, to be fair. I think he should have changed it there and then because I I, I, I didn't see how we could really carry on with a, with a kind of like a five... I mean, it was mainly five defenders at, at most of the time because obviously Walcott was trying very far back and Walcott did... I thought I thought he started okay, he delivered a couple of good balls, but I mean he trailed off very quickly, which is it's been the same for most players to be fair, uh, like in fitness. And obviously we've mentioned the midfield there. We're gonna to have to talk about them, Sigurdsson and Davies. I mean, they're not the only problem, but I think they're pretty much the, the major problem at the moment. Uh I mean I, I feel I really feel like we would have stood a chance of getting Europa League if we had any sort of progression or any sort of ambition in the midfield. Obviously there was that stat at the end of the game where it was our highest pass combination was Sigurdsson to Keane, which it, it, it is absurd, really. You know, and there's the picture of Sigurdsson pointing in that way. He, he refuses to take responsibility for like his only responsibility, which is pick up the ball, get it forwards. I mean, he's he's an attacking midfielder in theory. I get he's being asked to play a bit further back than he's used to, but he just has no ambition on the ball. And obviously, I can imagine 
what you, what your thoughts are going to be, but do you want to give us your thoughts on kind of Sigurdsson and Davies and how we go forward right. from here? Right. Let's start with Tom Davies. Do you know when people say he's a League One footballer? They're right, because he's genuinely woeful. He is genuinely terrible. He, did you see that thing in the second half where I think Pickford or some brown white, someone gave him it? He just passed out to player just for at that point. Yeah, it's just, there's just no point even watching at this point. Oh, he's genuinely horrific. He's got no energy. And if he's got no legs around him, everything else he might have just goes to nothing because he he's got he can't he can't cover ground quick enough. So he gets overrun. And then when he's on the ball, he's not technically the best anyway. He just tries to find aimless passes forward, which is more that can be said for Gilby Sigurdsson, oh my word. He he or he's another one who tries to outdo himself every game. He, He's, he's just got no sense of progressing the ball whatsoever. It's baffling how limited he is. He, when you see other teams for other midfielders, they might have like a 45% pass completion race. But you know why that is? Because they're trying to find the goddamn centre forwards. Oh, it's just... It's a bit pointless what we're trying to play. And then you've got Andy Gordon who's getting the ball. He wants to run with it. But no one's really trying to make any space for him. So he just goes back to the centre-backs. The, the wing-backs were just staying on the edge of their own box. And then you just had Sigurdsson and Davis just trying to pass it amongst themselves, sideways and backwards. They're winning the ball back. I think we must be the only team in the league who plays the, a quite you know low-block formation at the moment, defending quite deep, and then just play, knocks it around it. It's so ineffective. If we were trying to hit the channels, and do that, I said, you know what, fine, we're trying to get everything out of it. But the mid, it might just be the midfield, to be honest, because they've just got no sense of, you know what, Dom's running or Richarlison's running, let's just hit them. And then people go in the centre-forwards back because they're getting so much delivery, aren't they? It's just nonsense. I'm just fed up of all of them midfielders, and I include the wingers as well. I include Walcott, include Awobi, and definitely Bernardo, who's just pathetic. Yeah, I mean, because people are criticising the forwards, which I think is the most ridiculous part of this. Because, I mean, we've seen, obviously, the Southampton goal literally came from Dinier having to force the ball forwards instead of, you know, one of one of the two midfielders. And then, because Calvert-Lewin and Richardson, they still make the runs, they just get ignored. Because Sigurdsson just has no kind of... He, do, he doesn't want to take any risks. He wants to just, you know, pad his stats, you know, get, get a higher pass completion or whatever, just goes backwards. And, I mean, I just... I don't get people that criticise Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. I mean, people criticise Calvert-Lewin more than Richarlison at the moment because obviously Calvert-Lewin hasn't scored yet. But, like, I don't understand how he's meant to. I mean, we saw under Silva, um, like, he did the best with what he's got because he wasn't getting any service there for a while either. And he he does the best with what he got. But we do know he can run the chance, but we just refuse to find him, which I, I, don't, I don't think is actually down at the system because you can tell Anthony Gordon's kind of been told to kind of progress play forwards but if he has no support from his other because it's not as if we've got two defensive midfielders who don't like taking risks we've got Gilby Sigurdsson who prefers himself as, as a traditional number 10 and Davies you know who's more ridiculous as well what we could have done yesterday because their wing backs pressed on quite high there was just a big gaping space between I think it'd be Cody and Bolly a big space between them on either side we could have just played balls into either channel because <laughs> they were so yeah, high up, yeah. Doherty and Johnny, he was that high up. He could have just played long balls into the channels, but no. Davis, Keane, Sigurdsson, Coleman, it's pathetic. Yeah, because I mean, the Wolves fan that I spoke to just before the game in the opposition view, I said, you know, where's your biggest weakness? And he said, I'm concerned about Calvert-Lewin or Richardson either going up for like long balls against Connor Cody or just running at them because him and Willie Barley, they're not the fastest players, are they? Yeah. So all that, that was what we had to do. And I literally, this might sound ridiculous and this might sound like a big generalisation, but I just completely blame centre midfield because I can't see how you can literally pick up the ball and just look back to your centre-back and give it to them to play it forwards when you're meant to be the one with the technical ability, which is just... It baffles me that we've end, we've genuinely ended up with three central midfielders. I mean, I'll exclude Gomez from this for now because I think he's actually got an excuse to why he's playing badly. I mean, he's just come out, you know, he's come back from a major injury, not just, but I don't think he's fully fit. But then when you look at Sigerson and Davis, how often do teams have central midfielders that literally don't defend but don't attack either? Like, I, it, it's baffling. Like, you, we just don't understand what they do. But 
we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on the midfield for too long because I think I think we could just go on 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 and on and on about these lot. But I I want to say, and I, I I don't know if you agree with me. I don't. This is not a new problem. I think we've known for a very long time that Sigerson and Davies aren't up to the standard. Gomez isn't fully fit. We've we've <laughs> we've been unlucky with Gabam and Kid getting injured. And obviously, when we saw Gomez kind of at, at his peak for Everton. He had Idrissa Gay next to him. He's one of the most energetic midfielders that were in the league at the time. And he clearly needs someone like that, tenacious, energetic, you know, happy to make the challenges midfielder next to him that's going to allow him to come into the game. But when Gomez is partnered with one of Sigurdsson or Davies, I feel sorry for him because he can't actually do what, what he what he wants to do. And I, I get not everyone's a big fan of Gomez because he he's he's not the, the best player ever. But I feel he's a lot better when he's next to an energetic, kind of more defensive midfielder, even if he's not the best ever, but I think to get the best out of Gomez, you have to put someone like Idrissa Gay next to him, which we just don't have, and that's why we're struggling so much at the moment, because then if if you have a partnership with Sigurdsson and Davies, who Davies seems to have no technical ability, and Sigurdsson might have it, but refuses to use it, I, I, this the midfield can't can't work like, like we want it to at the moment, and that's why we have to strengthen there in the summer. To be honest, <clears throat> to be honest, mate, I don't think Gomez is up to it either. He he's, he can't defend in the in the two either, and that's where you need to be in a four four two. If you have a look at, uh, we'll look use the high example. So Leicester when they won the league, and Atletico Madrid essentially when they play a very similar formation. In a two, they had they had ball winners, and they get the ball back and they pump it long. Gomez probably could pump it long, but he doesn't win the ball back. So he would need someone who wins the ball back for him to stand any chance. And if we're not going to have anyone who wins the ball back, he's probably the most useless player we could play because if he's not getting the ball to win it back and play it forward, then he's not really doing anything. And I'll stay off a bit more on him because it's, it was even worse without him, to be honest. But even with him, he was, he, he's, he's, been, well, he, he's been pretty bad for about a year for me. But it, it's one of them. I wouldn't. You could put any midfielder in there at the moment, and you'll just get the same problem. Because neither, none of them can run, none of them can cover ground, and none of them really can pick a pass. Sigurdsson, he's a great creator, is he? Because the only thing he creates is Michael King's long balls, and he just yeah, forward. He just plays it to him. He, he I do, I do agree with. Bad of our set pieces yesterday. Oh yeah. yeah. Got... <laughs> I do agree with Com- with what you said about Gomez. To be fair, to an extent, but obviously, I think he obviously worked better in a four-two-three-one uh, under Silva. I think he worked better in that formation. I, I do get he-, he might never fit in kind of like the four-four-two that Ancelotti wants to play. But I just feel that if we had to have new central midfielders and we had to ship off two of them, I'd be absolutely going for Sigerson and Davis before I'd go for Gomez. To be honest, because Davis does my head in. Because I mean. I don't feel he's actually got a lot better since the City game where he broke out, what, four years ago now? It's quite a while ago now since that game. Oh, he, he's got worse. Yeah, like he hasn't, he hasn't improved. Like, and he, I mean, he's still a young age, but if he hasn't improved by now, I don't see where he's going to go from, from here. But then we're going to have to talk about Seamus Coleman, obviously, because he, he came out quite bluntly saying some players don't care within behind managers, this and that. I, I, don't, I want to know your opinions because obviously people are quite split on this because people, some people say it as the usual Coleman rally and call, oh, we need to do better. I personally, I don't think it's as typical as they have been in the past because I don't think he's ever come out really and called out people for a lack of effort every day in training. I mean, normally he just, he used like the usual sound bites are wherever and we need to try harder, we need to do better. Now he's really saying like, there's a couple of names in this dress room and obviously he's not going to name them in public and I, I don't want him to because that's not going to help anyone. But I do feel this is slightly different to his usual kind of, you know, motivational article on the Everton website before the derby and then we get battered or skanked like a nil-nil at Goodison Park. Like, I don't know what your views are, uh, are on it. I, I'm not his biggest fan, to be honest, in terms of anything he really does. And he, 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 he seemed to be one of the others now, to be honest, who just... He doesn't, he doesn't lack effort, Coleman, and I'll never say that, but... He does bottle her a bit, doesn't he? he? You never see him like lead the team. He's supposed to be the captain. He doesn't really lead by example in terms of you know, organising the team. But I think he's spot on yesterday. I've got no issue with anything he said. Because that's what I want him to say. And to be honest, that's what I've wanted him to say for a long time. 
instead of these useless statements on the website. I want them to come out after a game and say they're all rubbish or they don't try because that's essentially what we see. So fair play to him on that. But I I, I don't think he goes away scot-free either because I, I don't think he leads the team very well. Yeah, and I think as, uh, the problems that we've got, and obviously highlighted there by Coleman, saying a lack of effort, I'm very confident, to be fair, under Ancelotti. I think if there was ever going to be a midfield, I mean, Ancelotti's obviously renowned for his, his man management, and if there's problems with attitude, he'll either he'll get them out or he'll, or he'll sort it out in some other way. And I, I am confident that he can't turn around. There's some people that doubt Ancelotti, and I, I, I don't know if you're one of them, but I can't, I can't believe that someone would be. And it's just, he is if we were ever going to have a manager that had to turn around the mentality of this club, as someone has to for a while, I think it's got to be him. You know, he's a winner. He's a great man manager. And then, obviously, his influence has been quite successful so far on Anthony Gorn, uh, bringing him into the, uh, into the team. He's played fairly well. Obviously, he's played fairly well in a team that aren't playing well, so we'll have to actually wait and see how good of a player he is. And then, Jared Branthwaite, who came on conceded the free kick, had a, had a tricky time defending the free kick. I don't know if it was completely his responsibility, as people made it out to be, but obviously, if we're going to take any positives from that game, obviously we've got two youthful players there who Ancelotti clearly trusts to put in to the, to the team. So we know we've got a manager that trusts youth. Obviously, players like Ben and Gimme and Adam Aaron, we haven't seen them yet. Maybe he just doesn't trust them, but it's clear to see he's happy to trust youth if they're good enough. What, what are your kind of opinions on Gordon and Branthwaite? Do you think they're good enough to stay around. Obviously, I think Gordon definitely is. We'll have to see on Branthwaite. Obviously, Branthwaite only played a handful of games for Carlisle in League Two before he came to the Premier League, to be fair. And was kind of just thrown into it because obviously we have Yerry Mina, who, you know, his legs are made of glass. We've got Lewis Gibson out on loan at Fleetwood. You know, our centre-backs are stretched at the best of times. Now, Holgate's injured as well. In terms of positive, do you think Gordon and Branthwaite are? I mean, is that a positive we can take from the game? Yeah, I would say so. Considering Jared Branthwaite was a backup option for a fourth division team about three, four, or five months ago, I don't think he did too badly. Um, Gordon, I think he's there's a player there definitely. I just, I would like to see him on the left in a four four two, because in that central role yesterday, I don't think he got in the game. But I'm pumping that more down to the fact he was playing out of position than anything he could affect. Um, but Branthwaite, I thought. He had a quick baptism of fire in the first minute where he gave away the free kick for the goal. But apart from that, he didn't look out of place. And that says a lot about the others. If a fourth division centre-back didn't look out of place in an Everton team. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, just, just something I want to address before the end, of the, we'll talk if you want to talk about anything else. Davies and his one-man offside trap yesterday from, I don't know, because every time we had a corner, it was Davies back. I haven't got a clue what he was trying to do there. Obviously, trying to just play Jota, you know, off offside, even though he knew Jota has about 50 yards of pace on him. Davies can't run anywhere. I, do you even, can we even explain kind of what goes through Davies' head? He just makes daft decisions, I think, that you can't make in the Premier League, and I, I don't understand how he does them at all. Yeah, I would have hooked him after that. I would have literally just took him off. I don't care if it's Duncan coming on. I wouldn't. Think, that was ridiculous. What on earth was that? He, the two, I think, Azama and Jota were on his heels, and he just stands there and lets them off. And 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 to be honest, he's not alone with this ridiculous attitude. That it's just the whole the lot. Most of the players just have this switch on and off attitude where it. it it just, it just doesn't really seem to hurt them, and we until we get players in who it seems to hurt and who give everything for everything, then it's not going to change. A lot of people over the weekends you see on Twitter and wherever, bemoaning the fact that clubs with less money and you would argue less technical ability, like um, Burnley and Sheffield United, are above us and above us by a distance. By the way. Well, there's two things there. Their players give everything every week. No matter if they're 5-0 down, they go out and give everything. And second of all, they've had, I would say, six months head starts on us with someone who knows what they're doing in the dugout. So they're the reason why they're above us. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Davis, I don't know what that one that man offside crap was. Yeah, and then uh, I, I like we said there about Burnley and Sheffield United. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know how how long Sean Dyche and then Chris Wilder have been at the clubs respectively, but they've been there a long time now. 
eight years for Dyche for, for Wilder. Exactly. So, I mean, I think it just shows Ancelotti just needs all the time we can get. I mean, a lot. some people are quite doom and gloom at the moment, kind of suggesting we need a full overhaul. I don't think we need a full overhaul. I don't think every player needs to be sold. I think we've got, I think, Carvalho and Richarlison are good players. I think in the defence, if everyone's fit, we're all right. We could probably do it with a right back. But obviously, we know how good Mason Holgate's been this season. Uh, Keane's obviously played well since the restart with, with no fans, you know, kind of on his back. Which which might change as we come into next season, but I genuinely, it's the midfield that needs to change, and I I think we will. I think we have to make changes because I think it's quite evident where the problem is. And if me and you can see the problem, I mean, I'm sure Ancelotti's seen these problems for months, months now. So obviously, and I, I think he just needs time. And uh, I don't think this is the end of the world. I do think we've got some good players in the squad. I think recruitment in midfield just drops on there. I think recruitment in midfield has been woeful at times. Obviously, Bernard's not a bad one because he was a, was a free transfer. Obviously, he's on quite a high wage, though. So, obviously, you do have to play that in. It will be clearly not signed to play in this role. And he's struggled in it. <laughs> Let's be honest. I think struggle's a nice word since the restart. He hasn't been good enough. But I think I trust Ancelotti to make the changes that he needs to. Uh, he'll know who he needs to get rid of to improve kind of the, the dressing room atmosphere. And we just it's, just it's just a matter of time, I think. And it's not the end of the world. Uh, as, as some people have made it out to be on Twitter, and just what was what we've already said. Yet yeah, these aren't new problems. Ancelotti's been here for not that long. He he didn't really have January, did he, to to make signs, no. and then and then so plenty of time. We'll be all right. I don't know if you've got anything to add before the end of the video. Uh, well, just apart from a quick mention of what was the goalkeeper doing when he was laughing on the line, but I'm not even yeah. going to talk about them because I'll get done for libel. Wow. Um, now you're right. Um, I, I think that another one who needs to step up and he's not necessarily on the pitch is Brands this summer because he, Ancelotti needs some serious help with this team. It's we've spent about 500 million quid, we look no better than we did 500 million ago, did we? Um, so we need some serious help with players who can come in and make a difference. Not even, I'm not even talking about players who. Like Iniesta, I'm just talking about players who run round, put tackles in, lay, pop the ball off, get us moving forward instead of these players who just ugh, just don't seem to be good or anything. I look at someone like Leicester's recruitment, it's been spot on. I don't know what they're doing with their manager, but he's useless. But the players are really good there. The, the Wolves, their players are brilliant. I don't know why we've signed. We, the thing with them and the thing with us is we seem to be in this trap of signing proven Premier League players who have who caught the eye and then they've had their moment of fame and then they just dwindle off into the nothing. But they signed like Wilfred and Didi for about five million quid and Johnny Otro from the nowhere really and he comes in, he's a brilliant left wing back for Wolves and okay, Jao Moutinho was known, wasn't he? But even like players like Sheffield United and you look at Who's John Fleck, but he's much better than any of our players. You know, Liz Moussa couldn't kick a ball for Bournemouth and he looks all right for um, Sheffield United. You know, Chris Wood, who's Chris Wood, but he's, you know, he's effective. And none of our players seem to be anywhere near effective enough apart from the front two, Holgate and Dean. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think this is possibly... I mean, we say it every summer, this needs to be the best recruitment we've had so far, but I think it's the most important now. Not in terms of spend, spend, spend. Just find the, the right players. Just find players that actually want to come and play for the club as well. Not players that are coming here for a, a, a good wage, you know, like Sigurdsson, you know, players like that. Don't Make sure players aren't just coming to get paid by Everton. Make sure they want to come here. Even if they're young, I just, we need, we need energy in the midfield. And it feels ridiculous that we have to, like, that's what we have to ask for. Like, we, we're begging for signings that can put in a tackle and have energy in the midfield. But and then just what you said about Pickford, I'm sure we'll we'll go into Pickford in his own in his own video at some point once the <laughs> once the hectic fixtures are over. But I agree. Uh, strange reaction to the mistakes, but I think the problem itself is the mistakes he's making. I, I know a lot of people yeah. don't like his reaction, but the mistakes are absolutely the problem. No, it's but, the mistakes that annoy me more. But the reaction yeah. to it, like I get another one who cares. It's just... yeah. And then, so did you? Did you see Nick Pope on Saturday? He's just like angry if the ball goes over his bar. Never mind how it slips under his bloody leg. It's, yeah, just, so it's, it's a mental, mentality issue. 
yeah, it's another attitude thing. For you podcast listeners, now it's time for the middle bit where we give ourselves a much-needed break from talking about Everton and discuss something a bit more random. And by God, we need a break from talking about Everton right now, don't we? So, yeah, today's show, we're going to be discussing TV shows and we're going to ask what the most overrated TV show is. So, we'll start with Rose. Which TV show do you think is the most overrated? Um, well, I've got two, um, but I'll go with the first one I thought of, and it's The Big Bang Theory. Um, Brilliant show. Brilliant show. Yeah. I really like that. Like, I, it started out so well, um, but I think with, like, some American shows, they just go on too long, and then it was, like, the same kind of joke, the same, like, and it's just predictable, and so that, that's it's, my one. It's, t- it's typical laugh track stuff, isn't it? Like, yeah. have you ever seen the videos on YouTube of Big Bang Theory scenes without the laugh track? No, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, you'll have to check that out. That is really, it's like so cringe. It's unbelievable. <laughs> there's um, there's one online of, of friends without the laugh track. Oh, yeah. Like, Ross is a psychopath without the life, without the laugh track. Like, it makes them seem really weird and, like, scary. Some of the things he says in, like, there's like a season where he's, um, I think it's when he goes on, like, you know, it's after one of his weddings and he goes on medication for his rage. And that season, it, if you take the laugh track off, he's like a proper psychopath. Some of the things he says. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's a brilliant shell. I think any of those ones with excessive laugh tracks in are going to be in this, definitely in contention for this one. What about you, Teddy? What would you go with for your most overrated show? I mean, Big Bang Theory is a show. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like you, Rose. I started off quite liking it. Like, and, and about three, maybe even four seasons, I was watching it going, you know, I quite enjoy this, but it got too aware of itself. Like, you know, it was, it, it you can sort of tell when it got popular, I think, but it started getting really lazy and it was not as good as it used to be. And even, and even then it wasn't like, I don't know, it wasn't like groundbreaking, you know, like, you know, writing to begin with, but when it starts slacking off, it becomes like sort of, live action family guy where they just do cutaway stuff and yeah, yeah. but um most overrated um do you know what i'm gonna say family guy i had i had thought i was gonna say vikings which is what i watched recently and i just gave up on it um, yeah i know you were a fan of that way yeah i wanted to like it and I, I waited for ages for it to get good and it the first well the first season was all right and then it was crap after that and I was assured it was going to get better and it just didn't so I gave up on it but I think Family Guy I think if you ever want to see um, Family Guy so if you ever want Family Guy ruined on you and deconstructed just watch the South Park episodes where it, it's called Cartoon Wars where they basically <laughs> just take Family Guy apart and it shows you how a Family Guy joke is, is constructed and obviously South Park have got like it's like three manatees in a tank and they all go over to um, collect certain you know balls out of another tank and then like it puts the joke together like that so it's like cutaway joke mexico gary coleman and then it just cuts <laughs> to, like it it cuts the family guy and he goes oh peter that's really inconsiderate and he goes really more inconsiderate than the time i went to mexico with gary coleman and that's just ruined it on me because it is that the whole show is just so lazy and there's bits of it where it's clearly trying to fill the episode time where they drag one joke out for like eight nine minutes yeah like, i mean i think Julie uh, Alva, they always have that turn, don't they? Jump the shark, and I mean, I was a very big fan of Family Guy, and still am with the earlier seasons. But mm-hmm. there was that moment where they jumped the shark, and that was when I thought I think it was in like season nine when they literally set did, did a, a cutaway, but it was literally just the entire music video for Mick Jagger and David Bowie, and I think that was the point where, yeah. like, I think they're trying like three minutes of like a whole twenty-two minute episodes of just like trying to fill, basically fill it up because they've run out of ideas and yeah. I think that's when you know a show was on its knees I think Big Bang Theory is another one that probably does stuff like that but I gave up on that even sooner to be honest I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the latest series are like in that the biggest shows in the world aren't they like it's the biggest sitcom probably the biggest animated show maybe not The Simpsons um, but Family Guy it's just it's Family Guy is still so popular like everyone ev- no one would tell you now that the Simpsons are still good everyone knows it's it's shit but people will stand and argue with you that Family Guy is still great and I, I'm just just not for me it's like I think the, the vast majority knew it was dead about six or seven years ago yeah yeah 
that's my uh, that's my submission anyway. It was Vikings, but it's got off now by virtue of something else popping into my head. Because when Rosa Big Bang Theory it came to me, and I was like, oh, yeah, got to be Family Guy. Family Guy and Big Bang Theory, good shout. I think. See, this is a difficult one because obviously Big Bang Theory was the first thing that sprung to mind for me as well. So I think I'm, I'm going to have to try and come up with something a little bit different. And uh, I, I can't really think of much, to be honest. It, if I'm talking about anything that's overrated, I think there's, there's only got to be one. And it's a very different genre. It's not a sitcom. It's a soap opera. And that's got to be EastEnders for me. I think that's one of the most. Like, you know, it's it's, it's pop. It's it, it, it pretty much dictates... I think do you am doing disagreed with you? <laughs> I yeah, I don't watch it. I yeah, I, I can't get into it really. It's just a like obligation of watching it every single night to know what's going on. It's just like yeah. no, <laughs> I just can't. I'm not got what the time. You, Terry, yeah. What about you, Terry? Have you been sucked into the EastEnders? No, I'm just surprised that you've flagged that up as overrated. I've never heard anyone rave over EastEnders going, "Art's amazing." <laughs> You need to watch it. Like, <laughs> no, you know who, who, who loves EastEnders? Even people who like EastEnders just go, yeah. Just, way, just, way, way too many people that I know are, are big fans of it. And also, I think it's, I think it's the fact that it constantly wins awards as well. Even at the Soap Awards, it like seems to beat out everything else. And yet, every time I've watched it, I just can't get into it. It's probably because you're a young man and it tends to be older people who, who like I mean I, I, you don't know many people who are in like their early 20s or teenagers who follow EastEnders do you come on hey you'll, you'll be surprised I mean Steve McFadden who plays Phil Mitchell he goes to nightclubs and like does all club nights with the students now so I don't even know where that come from <laughs> oh, that's not, so not yeah and you're saying and you're saying it's not popular with the young people not even the least bit creepy, that is it. Like, not a <laughs> no, that, 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 that's like totally normal. I mean, you, you wouldn't see Ross Kemp doing that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I always imagine Ross Kemp in real life like he is on extras. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinks he's really excess AS and all now, that. Now there's, now there's a show to see for the underrated shows topic, that one. Just gets the least love of all of his creations, Ricky Gervais's like creations, extras, and it's one of those best. I think. Oh Obviously, yeah, I think it's better than The Office myself. Might be a bit. I might do. be raising a few eyebrows there, but. No, I do. I I like The Office, but I do. I've got to just keep one. I like extras more. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that anyway. We've all come up with some very good shouts there. We'll. Move back into the football now. Unfortunately, we have got to get all the pressing with you now. We're moving on to looking at the Villa game in our match preview. But uh, yeah, we'll get straight into it anyway. Terry, we'll start with you on this one. Villa are in the bottom three, and yet we're the team coming into this looking like the worst side. Uh, given the state of urgency Villa are in at the at this moment in time, like they desperately need the points. They've got to fancy themselves against this spineless bunch of idiots, haven't they? Surely. Yeah, I'd fancy a team of like the, the Toffee Blues lads against Everton after the Wolves game. I mean, come on. Like the thing with Villa is they're um they can't score, but they, they have got good midfielders like Grealish and McGinn would both walk into our team. They wouldn't yeah. take probably all of our midfielders and that's and they're what are they second from bottom? Second yeah, I think or so. third. They get second, but second or third and they wouldn't take any of our midfielders, so that tells you everything you need to know. It's I'm hoping that our defence, which until the Wolves game had been playing okay, like in the earlier part of the lockdown, I'm hoping the defence can still, you know, keep them out because they they aren't a very good, you know, goal scoring team. But I'm a, I fear another horror show in centre midfield. I've got to be honest. I think that that's got to be in everyone's mind now. I think that. This is like the third game in a row, the Wolves game, where we've seen the midfielders just not turn up at all. And obviously, it, it's a, there's a bit of trepidation setting in about our prospects. Rose, what do you think going into this one? Yeah, no, I completely agree with what Terry said. The most worrying thing I've seen in the last few games is just the lack of fight, the lack of desire. Um, you know, it's OK. I don't mind losing necessarily if the team gives 100% and Wolves just outclassed us. But from like minute one, um, it was, well, it was yesterday. It feels like 
ages ago. Um, I wish it was ages ago. Yeah, I wish it was ages ago. Um, we just gave them so much time and mm. sort of like looking forward to the next few games. I just can't see that we're going to win any of them because you've got Sheffield United fighting for Europe, Villa and Bournemouth fighting for their lives, and honestly, our players just look like they're on holiday. So no, they are on holiday. I think that there's, there's no maybe about it. I think they're they're very much disinterested by this stage. I think as soon as we got over forty odd points, I think we were thinking, oh, it's all right now. We can just down tools and have a bit of a chimwag because that, that's the way it feels sometimes. I feel like these players don't really want to be there now. And I think I think you nailed it there, Rose. I think all three of the sides were coming up against everybody's got something to play for and we certainly have nothing to play for. That you'd say pride, but these players clearly haven't got any pride from what you've seen in these last couple of games. I think the one thing I think Teddy you mentioned their midfielders, the Villa midfields, there's a player that definitely have a Everton John McGinn. Mm. He's he's got everything I think that we're missing right now. Yeah, I mean, he's one to realistically look at. I think for a lot of clubs, if um, you know Villa do go down, because you know there's going to be quite a few clubs who, who would take Grealish, but he's not going to go cheap, so it's it's not a non-starter for him. But McGinn, all right, he's not he's not young, but he's not exactly old either. So yeah, I mean it. With regards to Everton, it might come down to formation. He might not be comfortable in a four-four-two. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. Don't think Villa play that. But um, I think they, they they play like a four-four-one-one, which is not far off. To be fair, Brock Grealish does a similar to the Charles, and it could it could work. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the the issue we've got is, you know, who do we play? Like, what teams do we put out? Like, a lot of people want him to just change the whole team. Um, and even if he does do that. He can't really change the centre midfielders. He's, he hasn't got anyone there. Like he, he, all he'll do is just shuffle Gomez back in for likely to be Sigurdsson. And there's Beningami who, and he's just not going to play him, is he? Does he? Like, does, he does he exist? What's a Beningami? <laughs> I know, but it, it's it's he, he could change everything. He could bring Moise Keane in. He could put, he could even bring in like Branthwaite, people like that. There's not much he can do in centre midfield other than what he's already done. So the problem will not go away with with selection. Now it's just a case of is he going to go for it in these last three games to try and get us as high up the league as possible and, and finish on the strongest points, or will he just go, you know what, sorry, play Moisky, yeah, and then see and you know play these players that I wasn't sure about starting when there was really games on the line. Like it depends. You'll see whether what. He subscribes to as a manager now going well, into these there's, games. There's definitely nothing on the line now. Europe's well and truly dead and buried, whatever way you look at it. I think it's got to be a chance to experiment now. I think if he sticks with the same team, I think the fans, most fans will probably tear off before it's even started. I think I know for a fact I probably won't bother to watch if he, you know, picks that same sort of setup. Yeah. And it's horrible because I feel like I'm ripping into Ancelotti and it's not his fault. It's, as such as it is, he's got to do the best he can with a very, very limited squad. Mm. It's just, it's, it, it's so difficult to watch one of the world's best managers sitting in the Everton dugout, wondering what he's done to deserve yeah. that scenario. And yeah. it, it, the, it, man, the manager who, who managed Perlo and players like that, watching Sigurdsson point. To yeah. all, like you know, instead of instead of, don't give me the ball, pointing to someone else like yeah. on our pale, pale. Imagine pale pointing. Imagine uh, Gattuso and Ambrosini not putting tackles in. <laughs> it's just uh, unthinkable, isn't it? It's like what what must be going through his head. I mean, I think I said I think someone put a, video, a, a post up before said what does Ancelotti do most importantly this summer, and I just went resign. Because, <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I thought it. I thought someone's gonna think he, he he's Carlo out there because <laughs> that's what it's gonna be taken as. Just resign, will you? But I, 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 what's going to just the, just the fact that there's actually a Carlo Ancelotti out thing that feels realistic just tells you that there's problems in the fan base. Honestly, it, he's probably thinking when you say what's going through his head. He's probably thinking, how much do I like my house in Crosby? Is it enough for this? <laughs> To watch Tom Davis pass to the out for the throw in and Luca Dean to be chasing it. That's oh, unbearable. <laughs> it can go yeah, get I mean, better. 
Sorry, that's on. just like you know can't pass the ball five yards like even the most because there's still some defending Tom Davis and I've, I've really wanted him to do well but you can't you can't defend that like that's just stuff that if you can't do that then then what basic what are you doing like, <laughs> yeah. are you telling me are you telling me Rose up and he can't do what do better than that yeah is he worse he can't pass the ball two yards like it's just yeah it's uh unless he's just a random name of somebody who doesn't exist who we just put on the team because <laughs> we've got nobody else yeah. yeah, we could probably he could probably put Nias in centre mid and he could pass to the fullback. Like I'm telling you, He's, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it 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 can only get better. You know what I mean? Like it 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 won't stay as bad as this. Like he hasn't got the players to play the system. I see a few people saying change the system. Like no, don't don't accommodate the system, these the You can't you can't bend over backwards for these people who've like seen three managers out the door already. Yeah. Imagine, imagine next season you're like, oh, we're playing four four two, but a lot of the players aren't used to it at the minute. Why? Well, well, Tom Davis and Sigurdsson were shit, so we were playing five in midfield for a, for about eight games last season. Like, no, just this is what um, and I hate to say it because everyone does it, but this is exactly what Klopp did. Just I don't care if the players are shit and can't play the system, getting the system in and then working the players around that, not working the system around the players. It'd be different if we had a load of class players. Ancelotti has changed his formation, his preferred 4-4-2, twice in his career, once for Zidane and once for Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not doing it for Sigurdsson. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so he will, he will, he won't change it for this. He'll, like, he'll just put the system in place. So Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin and Holgate and Dean, you know, the players with the future, they're all used to it. And then the ones who haven't got a future, you know, Sigurdsson at the very least, if you're struggling with it, don't care, get on with it. But they don't care anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And I think the fact that it, the fact that they probably know now, I think that there's no future for them at the club, makes them put in even more half-hearted performances. Yeah, like where can you notice, isn't it? You just about turn up and that's it. <laughs> you ever worked your notice in a job? Oh, I'd probably do less than Sigurdsson. That's a good point, actually. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't getting paid that much either. To be fair. <laughs> Yeah, but it's effectively the same, to be fair. And to be fair, they weren't doing much more than that before. They handed the notice in, so... It is what it is. I mean, this could turn into a guilty Sigurdsson bashing ceremony, to be honest. And yeah, we've, we've, you know, we've veered off. What do you, what, I mean, we touched on the, the line. What do you think, Rose? Would you, would you like, switch it for everyone? Or, or would you try and win the games as much as possible? Well, no, like, it's as you say, like, Ancelotti hasn't had long. He's not at the time to bring his players in. And so I wouldn't change the system. Like I know there was a bit of a meltdown yesterday when the formation was released because nobody had any idea how we were playing. But they couldn't do it then either. So, you know, you can play seven midfielders and Richarlison on his own and they probably would still like not get the ball and not get anywhere near the box. Um, and I think, it, you know, I, I don't like Sigurdsson, but I think it just goes a bit deeper. Like, out of all of our midfielders, how many can you say, like, have improved since they joined. I mean, Gomez probably a little bit unfair to judge because of the injury, but like, I, I'm not sure that any of them, maybe except Gordon, are good enough. And, and Gordon's just a prospect. So, no, I, I agree with that absolutely. I think I don't think any of these midfielders, are, with the exception of Gordon, and yeah, just Gordon. <laughs> I think that that's literally all we've got. That will cut the muscle at the moment. All five of the defensive midfielders are substandard. I mean, Sigurdsson isn't even a defensive midfielder. <laughs> uh, Tom Davis might there might still be hope for him if we have a decent player next to him. But Gilfie Sigurdsson's definitely not a good partner for Tom Davis. And I mean, Andre Gomez certainly isn't either. I think it's going to be crucial. We've got to get the right midfielder in this summer without a shadow of a doubt, otherwise we're in serious trouble next season. Yeah, definitely. What about Moise like Moise Keane and not for midfield, but then again. <laughs> but um, what would you would you play him? Would you would you do would either of you play him? Like would you I don't know, um play Branthwaite? But mainly Keane, but like that's the one everyone's like, put a Charleston right and play Keane. Would you play Keane now? What about you, Rose? Would you go go with that? Yeah, I think he needs more game time. I don't think it's fair to keep judging him on 10 minutes here. Like, were we 2-0 down when he brought him on yesterday, maybe? I think yeah. we were 2-0 down. And so it's like, well, unless he scores two goals and 
like he's not people aren't gonna rate him anyway and yeah I just don't think he's had enough game time that said though he hasn't really shown me much if I'm being totally honest so I don't know um but Calvert-Lewin's definitely dropped off a bit so why not we might as well yeah and I think it's worth noting I think Richarlison was injured in that Newcastle game wasn't he and Keane played the full match near enough and played very well so maybe it is we need to see a more sustained period of time of him on the pitch where maybe he can grow into a game because he's not he's definitely getting the chance to grow into a game with 10 minute cameos yeah, I saw a stat saying that he he's only played of all across all his appearances, he's averaging eight minutes of performance, like an appearance, which you know he's obviously had sometimes when he was more than that, and sometimes when he was less. But it's like, I know he hasn't looked great, but it's like, come on, what do you want him to do with that? Like he's yeah. he's in that, that's know, quite literally feeding off scraps, isn't it? I mean, we talk about yeah. that in terms of service. I mean, the service is bad enough when he's getting on the pitch, but you know, I mean, when you when you couple that with. Uh, what was it, eight minutes on average a game? That's what I read before the Wolves game might be slightly different now, but... About I mean, eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, going into these games now, I mean, what arm would it do if... I mean, I I, I know Richarlison's going to be the forwards, but at least for one game, two games, put Richarlison right, Gordon left, front two of Calvert-Lewin and Keane. That's got to be worth seeing, hasn't it, surely? Yeah, it might absolutely. Really, might not work. Might Keane might get on. And he's terrible for all the all game, but at least then you'll know, and there won't be people going play him and and what have you. And it, I don't know. It, we we said going into these games, or even before the lockdown, said he'll get his chance later in the season, and we all sort of knew when the season starts wrapping up, you'll probably see him. And this is it's it now. We're here. It's, it's wrapping up. So I. I but, play it, him. but it has to happen now. He has to get a chance. I mean, and I know he hasn't been fantastic, but. We've got to give him his opportunity now to seize it and see whether he's going to... It might be a good indicator of whether he'll be good for us next season or not. Yeah. yeah. But it's a, big, it's a big question. I think Ancelotti seems to be very keen on keeping things the way they are. And, I mean, I don't think, I don't think he can really... I mean, he said he was very disappointed after the Wolves game and Somehow I don't think he'll tolerate another one of those. So you've got to hope that this is the sort of moment the penny drops, if you like, and he he does start selecting better or selecting more of the gifted players at least, because you you know like Tom Davis is like Bambi on skaters, and he's what he's one of those. He, he seems very leggy. Uh, Andre Gomez hasn't been weird. Sigurdsson's disinterested. We've got to have some more creativity on the flanks because. The centre midfield isn't going to do the creating for us. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, there's nothing to play for now other than pride, so I, why not? Like, I've, I don't, I wouldn't expect to see wholesale changes because I just don't think, you know, I think he might have done that already if if that was an option. But one or two, I think Moyes Keane's probably the front of the queue, isn't he? Jared Brantwaite as well, do you think? Left left side of centre back, it looks like. I didn't actually know he was left footed until he came on. But maybe. I mean, he came on, didn't he? So I don't know whether that was just enforced. And he, it depends whether Holgate's fit. I don't think he'd start if Holgate's fit. I'd start him and put Holgate in the middle of the park. Yeah, defensive material, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. I mean, I, I, that, was, that was under Ferguson, wasn't it? So I don't even think Ancelotti probably knows he can do that. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, just that I don't expect it, though. But at the end of the day, I mean, who knew defensive midfielders could tackle? <laughs> never seen it or Everton like no none of ours too so uh, yeah we'll, just, we'll finish up there anyway we'll do our score predictions Rose score prediction for Everton oh. versus Villa um, well my heart obviously always says an Everton win but my head just says probably 2-0 what they did in the reverse picture because I just don't see if we play like we did yesterday can't see us getting anything unfortunately yeah. Uh, Terry. Oh yeah, the, the the reverse fixture, the famous we could go top or go second, was it? If we win, how long goes that feel? Hey, be, be be villain and we can go top or the bottom half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with one one. I don't think we're very good, but they're crap as well. So I'm gonna go one one. I'm gonna go somewhere in the middle. I think we're gonna lose one nil. I think. 
they're not that good. I don't think they're good enough to score twice against us at this stage of the season. Isn't that but, bad that that's in the middle? They're like in the bottom <laughs> three, and the middle, the safe option is we'll lose one nil. That's awful. It's isn't that just, that's just Everton, though, isn't it? It's, it's terrible. Uh, but it's Everton. Yeah, that clip. <laughs> uh, Honestly, but that's that. That's literally it. Like, I think I know. I know they scored twice against Palace, but uh, I think we. I don't think we'll concede more than one, but I'm not sure whether we'll score more than zero. So I think that's one nil's the only feasible option for me right now. So yeah, mm. not a very optimistic set of predictions there, is it? But this is Everton now. This is what it's like being an Everton supporter. Even going on these shows where I normally feel like I'm inclined to be optimistic, yes, here I am still predicting we're going to get beat off a team in the bottom three. This is what the season's come to. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But if you think as well, like which team has been beaten by all of the current bottom three? Oh, I know. I think we're the only ones. It's it's it really is. I mean, and I hate that meme, but yeah, it's, it's time for Everton, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll honestly like to close like that's the thing that has to change. Just the mentality from everyone. It's just, you know. it's just it's just pathetic, isn't it? And uh, if anyone can sort it, Carlo Ancelotti can sort it, but. It's going to yeah. take some work, and we definitely need a new midfield. I think you need you need some steel from any team, regardless of mentality, and we haven't got that at all. So, yeah. I think we're looking ahead to Aston Villa, but really, I think in in our heads and certainly in our hearts, I think we're all looking ahead to the transfer window more than anything else now, aren't we? Yeah. Put it this way: the only positive, from, you know, to finish on is he's Carlo's seen this side of the players now before it's too late. He's not being conned by anyone into thinking he's all right in position X or position Y. He knows that it's a mentality problem at the club that he needs to solve, not just a personnel problem. And He's come out and said that as well, hasn't he? There's some players who he probably thought were all right, who he probably thinks, oh, no, Pickford, the likes of that. Can't do it all at once, but at least now he knows. Certainly, I think... If there's, if there's any more positive, we'll finish on a positive. This time in two weeks, the season will be finished. But if you're listening to the podcast, it's time for us to round off with the If You Know Your History quiz. The return of the quiz. It's another match day squad quiz. And first time a Rose will be making her quiz debut up against the seasoned veteran of Terry. Basically, I name an Everton fixture from the past and our two competitors take it in turns to reel off the members of that squad, be it a starter or a used substitute who took part in the game. And the first the first to get a wrong answer surrenders the win to the opponent. First things first, we'll decide who goes first. I usually flip a coin, but my coin's gone missing, so we'll have to go and find another coin. Right, so yeah, I'll flip a coin and Rose, you can pick heads or tails this week. Heads or tails, Rose? Heads. It's tails, Terry. You get to pick. Do you wanna do you wanna go first or second, Terry? I will go first, please. First. Okay, so now that's all sorts of you do the usual reveal the fixture in question, so cue the intense quiz music. <laughs> intense quiz music, there it is. Uh so yeah, we're gonna go back. Now, to, I think it's, it was three years ago today, the infamous summer of 2017, the transfer window we supposedly won. And in the midst of all that, the fixture tonight is Everton 2, Gore Mahia won the Sport Peza Super Cup 2017. And it was it was a friendly, of course, so it's unlimited substitutes, so you can name any of the substitutes as well as the starters. There's 11 starters and 11 subs, total of 22 correct answers. Let's do it, Teddy. Uh, Pretty daunting. Um, James McCarthy. James McCarthy. James McCarthy. Yep, James, Mac- J- James McCarthy did start the game. I remember his name the, there. He came back from injury that game, and that is the only thing I remember about the game. <laughs> did he get injured during the game? No, he, it was after that leg break. His first game back. Yeah, he got he got a start in that game, Rose. 
So was it 2017? It was the summer of 2017, the okay. game in Tanzania. I'm going to go with a busy one to start. Kieran Dow. Who's that, sorry? Kieran Dow. Kieran Dow didn't he come off the bench. I've absolutely blanked that first one because I got it mixed up for that second friendly we did in the December. Oh yeah. no, this, this, is, this is the one in Tanzania for the summer, the dreaded summer where they all came in. Okay, I that wasn't the game James McCarthy came back injured from, so I'm lucky I got that right. Second, second guess is Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney did start the game. Um... Clarkson? Davy Clarkson started the game. It's a really good start, guys. Kuko Martina? Kuko Martina was not in the squad at all. <gasps> no. R- R- Rose, you're a debut winner. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what's only, only took five questions and Rose took the crown. <laughs> What we what we tend to do if someone loses early, and by someone we mean me, is we'll, always. Continue, <laughs> we'll continue to name the squad. But at the end, you've already won, so you can have a little time to think about the song. Oh yeah, but, go on. Yeah, you get to pick a song at the end of the show, by the way, Rose. So yeah, get thinking on like your Spotify or something. Meanwhile, uh, you can also have a think of who else was in this team. Jordan Pickford. No Jordan Pickford, he was still at the under-21 Euros that summer. Rose? Sigurdsson. Who was that, sorry? Sigurdsson? No Sigurdsson. There was no Sigurdsson. Oh. No, he hadn't sung. Oh. Yeah, he was quite late. Oh, he hadn't sung? Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's what we need. We need to go on a time capsule back to summer of 17 <laughs> and not sign Sigurdsson. stupid funny. <laughs> Suntan <laughs> um, Phil, Jaggy Elka. Suntan Phil. Did he used start to come, the game. He used to come back every preseason looking golden, didn't he? He's always looked great in preseason. Yeah, Suntan Phil was sporting a Suntan from the start. Uh, Baines, Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines was a substitute. Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams did start the game as well next to Jags. Mine's gone blank. Um, no, Tosin joined in January. Uh, Nias. No Nias. This was still in the very much in the Ronald Coombe and no Locker days. This was. Uh, of course. Oh. Um, I think. oh, do I get another guess? Uh, well, I think the two years just sort of trying to reel them all off now. I think okay. we've got about we've only got about six out of twenty-two so far. Uh, Mo Besic. What was that, Besic? Yeah. Yeah, Besic was a sub. Forgotten who we've said now. We said Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. And um, he but he wasn't in the team. Nah, uh, yeah, that was when his, when he broke his leg. That's right. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that to be honest. I was gonna say, Polassi, but I think he was injured still. He came back that December. Yeah. He was he was injured as well. Yeah. He had no Walcott. Sandro was he signed yet? There was no sign. He had signed, but I don't think he went on the tour to Tanzania. Barkley was injured as well, wasn't he? Barkley, he had no Barkley either. Uh, he was already halfway out the door by this point. Yeah. John Joe Kenny? John Joe Kenny started the game. Yeah, uh, he was about two at right back, wouldn't he? Um, Garbutt? Luke Garbutt? No Garbutt. On loan? Declanberg. Uh, Sorry, say that again, Teddy. Declanberg. Stecklenberg was the keeper. Hmm. Gotta be most of them now. <laughs> um, 
Pennington? Pennington was a substitute. Oh, hi, okay. That might, we've had McCarthy, we've had Rooney, we've had Besic, Klassen, Dowell, Kenny Jags, Williams, Baines, Stecklenberg. Calvert-Lewin would have still been at the Euros, so will have Davies. No. God, wasn't Dowell at the Euros? It was Calvert-Lewin? Calvert-Lewin was also there. I was just going to say, you, you, Dowell was back from the Euros, but so was Calvert-Lewin. So he was he played? Yeah, he was on the bench. So why the hell wasn't Pickford? No, he, they were in the... Oh, there was two oh. age groups, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah was I think there was, yeah. And one was under 21. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, Davis was still about uh, 17 uh, then, wasn't he? So Davis as well? Yeah. Davis and Calvert-Lewin played. Pickford played at the different age group, which was later. Uh, I don't even... Yeah, I think that's right. But yeah, yeah. Calvert-Lewin and Davis <laughs> were on the bench anyway. Okay. <laughs> that's got to be everyone. Uh, not quite. You've still got quite a few to go. I'll tell you how many you're missing. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh. eight, nine. Danny Tarashai. No, oh, Danny Tarashai. Come on, he, he doesn't even exist. Um, Holgate. No Mason Holgate, actually, no. In England. Oh. Presumably. No. Oh, I think I've got it. Adam Ola Luchman. Adam Olochum was one of them. We're down to eight, eight to go. Okay. This was the game where Rooney scored, wasn't it? I think so. Anyway, Carabangi Sharks, maybe that was there. <laughs> um, oh, we've played some uh, interesting games, haven't we? Mate, Tanzania was great. Honestly, I remember watching the pre-season videos and the lassie was like Michael Jordan. It was like, why do they all love him? He's shit. Like, <laughs> but he was over there with them. Obviously, too injured to play, but he was with them. And the fans at the airport were all like, Balassi. And it's like, I get that he plays like Congo and like, you know, might be popular. You know, plus some players are more popular in other countries. But it's like, Balassi, really? I suppose this was fresh from his palace days, though, where he was like a, a step over he was, king. He was, but... still, he was still quite good back then. Yeah. Um... God, that's... I can't think of it. I'm tapping out. Can't think of any more. You're gonna give up, Rose? Yeah. Got any more? Yeah, no, not got, not got any. Right, we'll fi- we'll finish up. These will kick yourselves over some of these, actually. Morgan Schneiderlin. Oh, I tried oh. to forget. I mean, you try and forget about them, don't you? But yeah. what can you do? Callum Connolly starts that left back. And the final starter you missed was Aaron Lennon. Oh. I didn't I never remembered Aaron Lennon. I might have got the other the two. Forgot, forgot, forgotten gem there. Then subs you didn't name were Matthias Hevelt, the keeper. Uh, Michael Keane. <laughs> Felt like doing oh, an Ancelotti oh, then, like, who? who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike, Michael Keane. Oh, was, okay. It's Rissagana Gay. Oh, Ghana. <laughs> Gareth Barry. And finally, Kevin Morales. Oh, yeah, Morales, okay. <laughs> Tough one, that, though. That was one of the toughest ones we've had. And yeah. Just, just, despite all that, it only took five guesses to actually get the winner, and the winner was Rose. So, Rose, do you have any ideas for a song that you'd like to see us out with at the end of this podcast? Um, I'll pick uh I'll pick an Everton one because Ooh. even though I've been I think like this podcast slash video has been a little bit negative based on Everton, um I wouldn't support another team. So I'll pick grand old team. Oh, oh um, go ahead, yeah. Or would you like, like it to be a like Spotify song? Uh it doesn't matter. I think that's no, what we oh, yeah, no. grand old team then, yeah. Somewhat, we do need some pride in stealing in ourselves at the moment because the players aren't going to do it, are they? So we might as well play an Everton song. Cheers.
Do you know one of my like favourites is the Spirit of the Blues? I like the guitar. I love that. I know I love that. <laughs> underrated, I think. That is like we're talking underrated Everton song. Like Grand Old Teams, <laughs> the, the one, isn't it? You know, because it's the one that more synonymous and you know people sing along with it. But Spirit of the Blues, I when the, the guitar comes in, it was Spirit, of, Spirit of the Blues is like the Leon Osman of Everton songs. <laughs> Un, unsung. <laughs> but that's a brilliant idea to end on. Just give the Everton fans a bit of rare positivity in this week of misery. So very good shout there, Rose. We'll finish with Grand Old Team. And thank you guys for tuning in on the Toffee Blues. We'll see you later. It's enough to make your heart go Oh, we don't care what the red side say What the heck do we care? Cause we only know that there's gonna be a show When the Everton boys are there When the Everton